1: What's up guys, Bears commanders on Thursday, a uh, a, I don't want to say highly anticipated matchup, but it's a highly important one, especially for the Bears. I mean, the commanders are on a two game losing streak. They're looking to bounce back, but they've lost their last two games to the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. Not exactly something to be ashamed of, especially uh, with that tooth and nail fight that they had with the Eagles on Sunday. Um, the Bears, on the other hand, uh, are 0 4, as we know. And aside from an outstanding offensive performance from Justin Fields uh, and company on Sunday, it will be great. It has been greatly overshadowed by the mistakes that were made in the fourth quarter from Fields and from Iberflus. That um, it will hardly be remembered that Justin threw for 335 and four touchdowns on Sunday because of the strip sack fumble, the interception that ended it, and of course Eberflu's election to go for it on fourth and one, which, okay. Lori Lattimore-Volkman, our guest from the Broncos' uh, Mile High Report last week uh, asked me online, how did I feel when the Bears went for it on fourth down? And I had two thoughts. Number one, I thought it was hilarious that the guy calling our defensive plays doesn't trust our defense to stop them from scoring a touchdown because so we we need to hang on to the ball and score one of our own so that when they march back down the field and score a touchdown, it's tied as opposed to them beating us. And that's the message I thought was sent. Maybe that's just me being a pessimist. I don't care what Iberflu says about, well, I felt really good about how we were running the ball, which is fine because it was a 10, 11 play drive, whatever it was. And only two of them were passes on that drive. It was Khalil Herbert, uh, getting it done. So fine. You, you were comfortable with the way we we're running the ball, but it's just, <laughs> when was the last time we easily converted on fourth and one or third and one because we damn near failed earlier in the game with that stupid Cole Komet taking the direct snap thing. Cause, um, for some reason, none of our guys know how to reach over the pile to get the first down. But nonetheless, you know, it's um, it's a very important game for the Bears on Thursday, if you believe the rumors. Um, I'm torn on the rumors. We'll talk about it more here. Let's get the show started. This is the Week 5 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hey, look at t- The rumor mill is buzzing. It has been quite the topic in Chicagoland uh, this week. If the uh, Bears lose on Thursday, and um, it's a very good possibility, especially with that defensive line uh, that we're facing, this Friday could be Black Friday for uh, Matt Eberflus. Uh, having led the Bears to 15 straight losses in the uh, regular season, 10 uh, to finish the year last year and losing the first five games of the 2023 uh, season. Uh, The rumors say Kevin Warren is pushing uh, for a change. Uh, and, And one would say, and I've seen you guys make this argument online, who's going to be the head coach? And my answer to that is, does it really matter? At this point, 12 games left in the season. You're 0-5. The likelihood of you making the playoffs is a million to one, and that's probably on the conservative end uh, of the estimate. For you to win enough football games to make the playoffs, it's so unlikely, especially with the way that we've played in all but one game so far uh, this year. And we had to play a cupcake defense in the Broncos to be able to do that. So, I don't know. Like I said, I have mixed feelings about it because then I know everything is up for grabs for 2024, especially if Floos is gone. There's a good possibility Ryan Poles will go out with him. Maybe not so much immediately, but definitely at the end of the season, how depending on how it all goes for the rest of the year, the possibility of Ryan Poles being able to correct his mistake and hire a second coach are not high. Um So, I mean, I I don't know who the head coach would be. Honestly, at this point, like I said, does it really matter? You know, it's not like we've got we're gonna take these twelve games and make a run and do something significant with the rest of it. Now we're just trying to get through the season at at 0-5. And, and I don't know. So, but as we've said, or as we've heard, or, you know, over the years, the McCaskies don't fire anybody mid-season. I'm hoping that Kevin Warren is the catalyst that will bring that to an end. I'm hoping that they gave him the power to, to have to run the football operations um, outside of the day-to-day that the general manager uh, takes care of to be able to make that change uh, midseason because something's got to change. And, and we've all been saying it since the beginning of the season, since the first loss against Green Bay, is that it's it doesn't make any sense whatsoever for the Bears to be playing this way when we spent the off season making upgrades to the entire football team, you know we're, we're we're better up front on the defensive line. Yet we've got two sacks in four games. We didn't have a Yannick Ngakwe last year, and we had three sacks in the first game against the Forty ers Um, you know we um. Everybody wants to complain about Roquan being gone, but he's a 3-4 linebacker. Tremaine Edmonds is better suited for us at 4-3. He's struggling right now, but again, who isn't at this point? Uh, But T.J. Edwards coming in there, adding Jack Sanborn, or keeping Jack Sanborn in with that. That's a solid group right there. And then in the secondary, we've just been banged up there. We'll talk, you know, Eddie Jackson is... uh, is out. Jalen Johnson's been out. Kyler Gordon's on injured reserve, although I believe this is the last week that he would be on there, or at least I think his four games are up because I think he hurt his hand in the Green Bay game. So he's been out since week two. So this would be the fourth week um, that he's on injured reserve. So I think he would be eligible to come off starting next week uh, for week six. Which would be nice if we could, if he was ready and we, he could come back. But you know, we 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 beefed up the offensive line a bit. You wouldn't know it by the way they're playing. We go out and we get DJ Moore. We add Robert Tunyon. We we draft Tyler Scott. We get Roshan Johnson. We sign Deontay Foreman. Deontay Foreman's been inactive every week except week one. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. And uh yeah, then there's the whole Chase Claypool mess. So but you can't have all of that, to add all of that and for for even people who are haters on the Bears no one disagreed with the fact that we were we were significantly better talent-wise that we had weapons around fields that progress should be made and for it to come out all looking the same that it did last year and at times especially on offense looking worse you've taken Justin Fields legs away from him you want him to be a pocket passer and these are your results because it's not so much that the NFL has completely shut him down it's that we are not doing what we did a year ago we're just not and I know that the Bears may be a little trigger, uh, you know, gun-shy with that because Fields got banged up. Uh, there was, you know, that game against the Falcons where, uh, you know, he was he was messed up and and that one drive he basically refused to run out into the open um, because he had taken all of his shots and, and everything and he was all banged up and then missing the last game or two uh, last year with uh, – with injuries as well. So they're trying to preserve them, and I get that. But you have to find a happy balance between what we were doing last year and what we can do this year because you've taken a huge chunk out of our offense by holding him back like that. So, I mean, it's just uh... (sighs) – You know, but like I said, every every you know everyone universally agrees that we are better than we were last year, or at the very least, more talented. I should say, than we were a year ago. For it to look as bad, in most cases, worse than it did a year ago, that comes down to coaching. It absolutely does. How are you going to take a group of more talented players and be worse than you than you were the year before, when everybody knew it was a dumpster fire waiting to happen? So, yeah, if we come out and play poorly against Washington on Thursday, then would anybody be surprised? I'd be disappointed, but I wouldn't be surprised. And not so much disappointed that we're firing, disappointed that it's come to this point. Disappointed that we had to lose 15 games in a row and that we're finally breaking our we-don't-fire-anyone-midseason thing. For this but this is as bad as it's ever been, 15 straight losses and really no hope for any kind of turnaround. And the most frustrating part of it all is that we're not, it's not like we're playing some murderer's row of a schedule. You know, Green Bay's not the team that they were or have been. Tampa Bay's better than people thought they were going to be, but not a world beater. Kansas City was struggling when we were going to see them, but still the world champs, and they showed it when we played them. And then there's the Broncos, 70 points the week before they come to town. Then you got the Commanders, who are strong on the defensive line, and, you know, the enemy's got them humming, but this is a winnable game for us. Next week against Minnesota. That's a winnable game for us. The week after that, the Raiders. That's a winnable game for us. The Chargers. the week after that. With that defense, the Khalil Mack six-sack performance aside, that's a winnable game for us. The week after that is New Orleans. That one will be tough because they have a decent defense, but they are struggling on offense. That's a winnable game for us. You see where this is going, guys? There's nobody on the schedule coming up Except maybe after the Saints, we finally play the Lions. That's the only one that I would for sure say we are absolutely going to lose this game because we're not as good as the Lions. We're nowhere near as good at this point, or at the very least, we're not playing as well. But um, you know, there's nothing ahead on the schedule that makes you be like, oh man, that's uh, yeah, yeah, we 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 don't have a shot in that one. Like, yeah, the, 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 the commanders are tough up front. And I, I, I'm i worried. You hear me talk about it with, uh, with our guest, uh, Mr. Who, from uh, the Commanders uh, Declassified podcast here in a bit. That defensive line worries me. And they have dynamic playmakers and Diami Brown and obviously Terry McLaren uh, as well. Uh, Jahan Dotson, their, uh, their first-round pick from last year. Very good weapons. Brian Robinson, very good. Sam Howell is is playing well, but they're not so explosive and dangerous that they really scare me that much. And it, it just, maybe that's, you know, fool's errand on my part, but it's just, you know. And then next week of Minnesota, yeah, you got Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, but outside of that, they're pretty well struggling, especially on – on defense, they're having trouble stopping people still, so they're better, but not where they would want to be. I mean, hell, they're one in three, and they had to play the Panthers last week to get that one win, and they barely won twenty to seventeen. So, and the Raiders are the Raiders. The 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 you know the Chargers, aside from what Khalil Mack did single handedly last week, their defense has been a swinging gate for people, allowing point after point after point. So yeah, I mean, and like I said, the Saints are stronger on on defense. But even adding Derek Carr, they have Alvin Kamara, they got Michael Thomas, and and uh, that Chris Olave kid. They're struggling to to, to crack twenty points a game uh, so far uh, in the early season. So, like I said, there is nobody on the schedule up ahead that really worries me. So to the point where just like yeah, this is going to be like all the dread that we felt going into the Kansas City game. I don't anticipate feeling like that again until we play Detroit week 10, where we just know that, you know, these guys are humming along and it's going to be a long day for us. Not really feeling that at all until we get to Detroit. So I was like, these are all games that we should be in, games that are winnable, and if we play up to our potential, these are games we should win. But it's not happening. And if we, like I said, if we play poorly again on Thursday, we're in for some wholesale changes uh, here. The thing could look very, very different uh, on Friday. So let's dig into the uh, news and notes. Uh, We'll talk about the injury report here real quick. Uh, It's funny to me that Chase Claypool is listed on the injury report. His injury is listed as other. He hasn't practiced yet. The Bears have told him to stay away uh, from the facility. Um, I recorded the, my interview with Brian on Monday morning when the company line was, we gave Chase a choice, and he decided to stay home. Well, shortly after I got done talking to Brian on Monday morning, uh, Matt Eberflus changed his tune, saying, like, no, we told him to stay away, and they also told him to stay away for the for this week. So he's not in the building in preparation for the – Commanders game, so uh, it very much looks like the divorce between the Bears and the and Chase Claypool is pending. So, but some interesting um, comments uh, coming out of uh, pressers this week from Luke Getze. because Luke Getze calls the strip sack touchdown against the Broncos a learning experience for Justin Fields. Why? because Luke Getzky was asked about the coaching point for Justin Fields on the strip sack fumble touchdown. One of the details Getzky mentioned is that whenever you have what we refer to as a dirty edge, which pretty much every bootleg keeper that we have is a dirty edge, you have to come out high, as in high up field. Uh, When you see the rusher is high, you got to pull up, basically stopping, and instead of getting to the point, you stop and you head back the other way. Fields came out high and pulled up on his touchdown to Khalil Herbert, which he said was the same thing on the fumble play. I completely disagree with that because if you go back and you look at those two plays on the touchdown to Herbert, number one, we're at the two-yard line, and the linebacker, the dirty edge, as you want to call it, hesitated when the uh, when the play fake came through. He hesitated on the on the play fake to Herbert. Then he came for Fields, so it was stop and then start again, and Fields had the time to get away from him, run around, find Herbert in the end zone for the touchdown. Go back and look at the fumble play. That guy is coming balls out from the snap. He's not stopping. He didn't bite on the fake. He didn't even hesitate, didn't jolt. or I doubt the guy even turned his freaking head. To look at the play fake, he came right for Justin Fields. There's a huge difference between what happened on the touchdown play and what happened on the strip sack fumble. So, he says, on the touchdown to Herbert, the Bears were lined up on the two-yard line. Fields gets out quick and gets 10 yards of depth. On the strip fumble, Fields didn't get out as quickly and only got seven yards of depth before the defender was right there. Okay. So, maybe that's true as far as how deep he got. But that thing about, uh, you know, basically saying that the plays were the same when they weren't. You know, number one, two completely different parts of the field. And with the way the Broncos had been playing it, I mean, you got down in distance to worry about. And so these are completely different situations. Okay. It was a 35-yard strip sack fumble so we're near midfield but much you know we're you don't have to keep you don't have to respect everything like the Broncos did on that touchdown play. When we're at the 2-yard line and you hand Herbert the football or at least when you play fake it, you got to make sure he doesn't have it. And that's what the, the the edge rusher did. You saw him stop and hesitate on the play fake thinking he may have to make a play on Herbert, which gave Fields the time to A, reach his depth, and then B, to see the guy coming and to be able to make him miss and elude and find and you know get the time to find Herbert in the end zone. On that play fake, okay, maybe he didn't get the depth that he was supposed to, but it wouldn't have mattered because he was right there. He didn't bite on the play fake this time. He was up Justin Fields' ass the moment the ball was snapped He barely had time to react to him being there. Ball gets knocked out of his hand, fumble, boom. Okay, and then, like I said, Getzey calls this a learning experience for fields. Not for himself to maybe think about, you know, maybe on this play, maybe we leave the fullback in and he goes straight for that quote-unquote dirty edge just so we have something to slow that guy down. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Maybe that's the most stupid thing that anyone's ever said. I don't care. But that's what won the Broncos the game, was being able to – they just went kept going back to that well because we kept running the play, and it's just a concession that Justin Fields is going to be under direct fire on those plays every single time. That I don't know. That That's just like um, – when, when Mike Martz was on the team and he basically didn't have any use for tight ends because that takes a wide receiver off the field. And we want to run our four and five wide receiver sets even though we've got a weak offensive line and our quarterback's getting killed. So I, I just, it's, it's, it's already a concession that Justin Fields is likely to be under extreme pressure on these plays. You know, I also say that it means we're not running the ball enough if they have no respect whatsoever for him or not worried whatsoever about him handing off the football. But maybe that's just me. In other news, Eddie Jackson and Tevin Jenkins could return for the game tomorrow night. Uh, Eddie Jackson is still listed as having not practiced yet. While on the other hand, Tevin Jenkins is full participation. Ask Eddie Jackson, he says he's feeling a lot better and could be ready to go on Thursday. Well, knock on wood that that's possible. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Tevin Jenkins being full participation, I don't see what the big deal is. Put him back in there. God knows we need the help, okay, because Lucas Patrick has not been good at center, Cody Whitehair not exactly showing off at left guard. Push him back into center where he was a Pro Bowl center at one point. Tevin Jenkins back into left guard. Nate Davis was very good last week against the Broncos. Then we just have to worry about our tackles, and Darnell Wright is doing well. Larry Borum could be a problem, but four out of five at least this time instead of maybe one out of five, two out of five at best that we can rely on. But in the case of Eddie Jackson not being ready to go, the Bears signed Duran Harmon off of the Baltimore uh, Ravens practice squad uh, to the 53-man roster. Apparently we only had 52 guys on the active roster, so there was nobody to uh, cut or send down or whatever you want to call it. Um, Duran's an older player, 32 years old, so he's bringing in some veteran experience. Won three Super Bowls with the uh, Patriots, so he has uh, some the right kind of experience, actually, something that the Bears uh, need uh, on this team. So We did sign another corner, Christian Matthew, to the practice squad. He was uh, cut from the Arizona Cardinal main roster uh, earlier this week, and the Bears uh, scooped him up. And then finally, talking about Chase Claypool, who's listed as other on the injury report, um, the Bears just may end up cutting him, it seems like, because uh, I think uh, the other NFL teams out there are um, believe that uh, it will result more in, in cutting, uh, that, that he'll be out there for free uh, in short order uh, rather than having to uh, give up draft capital uh, for him. So the likelihood that Chase Claypool's time with the Bears ends with him just simply being cut is increasing by the day. So, guys, I think that's going to do it. Uh, the only other name on the injury report is Jalen Johnson, which, unfortunately, he has not practiced yet with that hamstring uh, injury. So, basically, our, our injury report is Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson, both out with lower body injuries. Neither one has practiced yet. Um, I haven't heard anything optimistic about Jalen Johnson, so you can likely call him out for the Thursday game. Tevin Jenkins is full participation, and I saw for some reason that it was up to Luke Getze. Whether or not he plays, I thought that we might fall under Chris Morgan's uh, plate as our offensive line coach, or, or God forbid, our head coach, making a decision on who plays and who doesn't, because it's apparently been up to him or inactives are and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it was Matt Eberflus making the call that three out of four weeks that Equinemia St. Brown doesn't play. So, anyway, um, so let's have this. Uh, let's bring in uh, Brian from, uh, or AKA Mr. Who from the Commanders Declassified podcast. Uh, we had, like I said, we had this conversation Monday morning where it was still fresh. Uh, Losing the the games to the Broncos and to the Eagles. Obviously, the uh, the only ones able to really hang their heads high uh, on that one would be the, the Commanders, who actually came back and tied the game twice in the fourth quarter to force overtime uh, against the Eagles before the Eagles were able to win it uh, with a Jake Elliott field goal. And um, let's get to it. Previewing week number five. Myself and Mr. Who from the Commanders Declassified Podcast talking Bears, Commanders for Thursday Night Football. No time to dwell on Sunday's loss for either team, actually, as the Bears and the Commanders meet up on thursday night football because last year's game was such a juggernaut they decided to run it back and uh here to help us preview what could it be the game of the year or another uh game where al michaels and uh, kirk herb Street spend the second half making fun of it from the uh, commanders declassified podcast it's
0: mr who himself brian how we doing man uh i am doing awesome man so glad to be back on uh your show how have you been how are you doing uh
1: you know i'm taking it day by day man i i am because for all the hype and excitement that there was around this team yesterday was the first time we were like yeah that's what this is supposed to look like <laughs> right because right. we just spent three weeks uh talking about you know <clears throat> excuse me just it's like what what where is it? What what happened? What, you know? How is it that we have an improved roster across the board on yep. every level of defense, every level of the offense, we're better than we were last year and yet we look as bad if not worse than we did a year ago when we had this inferior roster that was scrappy and that fought you until the very end but then reality takes over in the fourth quarter and the better team wins. It's like this time it's on paper. We're as good as anybody else, uh, aside from like maybe the Chiefs, and we're nowhere near as in being any uh, in any of these games in the first, you know, three weeks. And then yesterday happens, and was like, okay, yeah, this is what this is supposed to look like. And then from three minutes left in the third quarter until the end of the game, it's like, oh yeah, there they are, there they are, great. So twenty-eight to seven lead with three minutes to go in the third quarter, no problem. Denver says, "Hold my beer," and they rack up, uh, you know, twenty-four points to to win the game, and it was just, uh, yeah, it was a hide the razor blades kind of moment <laughs> yeah. when 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 Justin threw that pick at the end to uh, to seal the victory
0: for for Denver. It was it was tough. No, we 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 know those types of moments uh, very well here in Washington, so uh, I completely understand. So
1: let's not talk about. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about yesterday's game. Um, because, uh, uh, you know, you guys had the lead, Philly got it back, you guys tied it up, sent it to overtime, come up short in overtime. So, you know, I don't know if you guys are big on moral victories in Washington, but that's, uh, that's a hell of a thing for, you know, for you to to, to get the lead on the champs, to, to come up, sh- to, to and also to take the lead back, or actually yeah. to tie the game, take it to overtime, and, and come up short there. What I want to talk about is... The week that both of us had last Sunday Ooh. where both of us went on the road facing perennial AFC powers and kind of got showed, here's where we are, here's where you are <laughs> and, and, you yes. know, in, the, in both of those games.
0: Well, uh, Ron Rivera called that it Buffalo game last week for us a measuring stick game. Oh, boy. Well, it, it wasn't a measuring stick game. Buffalo took the measuring stick and beat us with it right. for four quarters. <laughs> um, it was it was dreadful. Um, the offense consisted of sack interception, sack interception, sack interception. Mm-hmm. And that was about the only thing that happened all day. Uh, the offense could not do anything. Sam Howell could not do anything. Ar- Defense uh, played okay for the first, um, you know, the first half. I think it was only 16-0 um, at halftime. And then, you know, the the dam opened up and everything just uh, fell apart in that second half. Defense collapsed. Offense just kept getting worse. And it was a rough day. You, when you have a young quarterback, Sam just turned 23 that weekend um, in his fourth start at that time. Um, you, you saw all the worst of the worst uh the holding on to the ball the not getting rid of it not seeing the field trying to force things um and it just manifested itself into just bad play after bad play and um yeah we got a 37 to 3 beat down in that game and it was it was it was awful uh you know we were all expecting a little bit more not that uh we were going to dominate the bills but man, at least look competent, at least look um, a little bit more of a functional team. Like we had, you know, the previous two weeks. Right. Uh, but uh, the Bills, you know, seeing what they uh, they did to the Dolphins here this uh, this past Sunday, um, it looks like they're in rare form here uh, these last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, or as like Kyle Brandt likes to say, uh, week one was a liar when it came to the <laughs> yeah. to the Bills. You know, this Absolutely. is a team that, that got smacked around by the Jets, lost the game in, in overtime, Josh Allen's throwing interceptions and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And they come back week two, 38-10 on the Raiders. Last week, 37-3 to 3 over you guys. And then they beat the Dolphins by 20 yeah.
0: yesterday. So it's like, okay,
1: so Buffalo's not screwing around this year. Okay. All yeah. right, I see where we're going here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the Bears were, were in a similar spot uh, last week. We're we're, we're heading in to see the world champs. We're going to Arrowhead. Unfortunately, you guys took your beating at home. Um, But we're going to Arrowhead. And the defending world champs uh, were not impressive in the first two weeks of the season. You know, they got beat at home by the Lions uh, week one. Uh, That used to be something you used to be ashamed of. But the Lions are actually pretty good this year. So it was just more about, uh, you know. They made a few too many mistakes against the Lions and it cost them the game. But then, week two on the road, they go to Jacksonville. And, you know, you were talking about how your offense was sack, interception, sack, interception. Their first half against Jacksonville was literally punt, punt, muffed punt, fumble, interception. And then finally, before the end of the half, touchdown, you know. And they only managed 17 points against Jacksonville and only beat them. by a, by a single score, 17-9. to nine. So it's like they're just stumbling all over themselves. It's like, I don't know, it's like one of two things is going to happen. Either the Bears are going to come in town and they're going to fix everything that's wrong with Kansas City and it's going to be a bloodbath or we're going to take advantage of a team that's struggling and see if we can't, you know, put something together ourselves. Well, it was the former, not the latter, unfortunately. We went into Kansas City and it was 34 to nothing at halftime. So uh you know it was uh, I mean at least when when Denver gave up 35 to uh Miami the week before they put some points on the board themselves not the bears no we uh it was it was like oh it was it was a seven to nothing like dog fight after one but at halftime it was 34 to nothing it's like yeah this okay this this the chief scored five times uh in the second quarter we're 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 done here this is this is how this is going to go. So,
0: And, and I know how you feel because for many years, the commanders were the get-right team, right? Like if the opposing team was struggling, they couldn't get their run game going, they couldn't get the pass game going, they would play us and we would make them look like an all-Madden team, a Super Bowl team. right? And all of a sudden they would, you know, 35 points, four touchdowns on the ground, four touchdowns in the air. So for many years that uh, that was us, we were the get-right team uh, for teams who were, were struggling lane and things like that so i i I understand that feeling
1: (laughs) so but i mean i I take what you guys did yesterday as a far greater accomplishment than what the bears pulled off uh yesterday because you did it against the nfc champs the you know one of the favorites to do it again if not go all the way and win the whole thing uh this time and you did it in philly uh which was all equally impressive
0: You know, and this is, you know, like you said, I think you started off with the uh, the moral victories thing. I'm not big on the moral victories. Hey, mm -hmm. you take an L, you take an L. But it was something that you wanted to see. How is this offense? How is the team? How is the young quarterback going to bounce back from just an absolute beatdown against the uh, the Buffalo Bills? Are they going to crawl up and, and go into a shell and just uh, you know uh, lay down, or are they going to come out with some fight? Are they going to correct some of the mistakes? And they did. They played a much better game. They played a team that is really good, and they played them tough all four quarters and into uh, overtime. So it was really nice to see, especially the young quarterback, Sam Howell. Hey, can he learn from his mistakes? And that's been one thing that's been pretty consistent with Sam Howell is, hey, he learns from his mistakes. He he really kind of lets the same thing kind of continue to happen. And he learned. He got the ball out quicker. He was more decisive. He made throws. He ran when he needed to. And uh, the offense was able to move and have some success. Um, the defense... Our defense uh, gave up a bunch of explosive plays, but uh, you know you're you're talking about uh, an Eagles offense that is uh, really really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, in- encouraging to see, but still, hey, uh, a loss is a loss. Um, you know, nothing nothing will change until they uh, start winning some games.
1: Right, indeed, and um, you know, I thought we were well on our way to doing that uh, yesterday, to finally uh, getting right and, and and putting a win. Uh, in the in the in the win column, but um, yeah, then the fourth quarter happened and um, it all fell apart. I mean, Justin was masterful for the first three quarters uh, yep. of the game, three touchdowns by halftime. A perfect. He was six. If not for the hail mary at the end of the first half, zero incompletions in the first half, sixteen of sixteen, and then the hail wow. mary at the at the end of the first half obviously fell incomplete. So he was sixteen of seventeen. 231 and three touchdowns in the first quarter. And then came out, and our one drive in the third quarter was a 15 play, nine and a half minute touchdown drive where he throws another touchdown pass. We're up 28 to seven after, wow. you know, deep into the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, it was number one, we got bit by something that we weren't fixing throughout the game. And that is. Uh, it was actually something that Lovey Smith, I feel, kind of opened the Pandora's box on when we played the Texans last huh. year, and it was when the Bears are running a play fake and somebody comes free off the edge, uh, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Let the defense, let the other ten guys worry about the guy that he's handing the ball off to. You keep going and get the quarterback. And yesterday it happened at least four times, if not more, and we got away with it the first few times. But it was that last time in the fourth quarter, he does the play fake, and as soon as he turns around to, like, set up and try to throw, defenders in his face, he tries to get rid of it, ball gets knocked out of his hands, scoop and score, tie game, just like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and, then, and then, you know, um, we, another promising drive, we drive all the way down the field. Now Getzi wants to go for it on fourth and one. Now, a couple of things. Number one, I like the uh, chutzpah, if you will, to go for it on fourth and one. I like Absolutely. it. The problem is we suck on third and one and fourth and one. We might be the worst team in the league when it comes to these types of situations. And the thing that is most aggravating is that my ultra-athletic quarterback, for some reason in these situations – gets T-Rex arms with the ball. Oh. He's not extending the ball over the pile, you know, forward progress and all the, right. all the like. He likes to hold it in nice and tight, and I guess you want to protect the ball in a situation like that, but that's hindering the ball from how far it's getting down yeah. the field when basically you just lower your head and try to bury yourself behind the pile. And um, But funny thing is they didn't do that yesterday. They decided to do just a straight handoff to Khalil Herbert up the middle into that wall of humanity, and we didn't get an inch on fourth and one from the 17-yard line. So we could have kicked the field goal and taken the points, but obviously after giving up uh, you know, 21 points in the second half, yeah. we didn't trust our defense, uh, apparently, or at least trust them to keep Denver out of the end zone, I would say. Um, because we decided to go for it, so we could score, or at the very least take more time off the clock. And instead, we give the ball back to Denver with uh, about three minutes to go. They kick a field goal, and then on our final attempt, Justin and Cole Komet get a little miscommunication. Justin thinks Comett's going to keep uh, crossing the field. He sits on the route. He ends up throwing it right to the defender. Ball game. So, oh, yeah, everything that he did yesterday, like historically, is going to be erased by the fact that he turned the ball over twice in the fourth quarter, and that's what cost us the game. So.
0: I, I will tell you about those short yardage um, situations there. After you know playing the Eagles and watching how they do the push-push play, When you have a dominant offensive line, it's so easy. Like, the quarterback doesn't even need to extend his arm. Like, Jalen Hurts doesn't do anything other than just fall down right behind those guys, and he gets two yards every time. I mean, we stopped it, the push-push, on the first time they did it in the game, but the other three times, like, they just pushed our defensive line back. Like as good as our defensive line is, it was nothing for them. They just moved them and got the, you know, the two yards, the one yard, whatever it was in those situations pretty easily. And Jalen Hurts just essentially just falls forward for it because they get so much push. So it's, such, it's so easy when you do have a dominant offensive line to kind of get those short yardage situations.
1: Yeah, which is what, which is what worries me about Thursday because we are weak where you guys are strong. Uh, Especially, I mean, L, just look at last year. And, you know, you guys beat Justin Fields within an inch of his life uh, last season. I mean, there were a few times he was really slow to get up after some hits that he he took against you guys uh, last year on on Thursday night. Uh, Thankfully, though, we will not be wearing those orange uniforms on Thursday. Oh, no.
0: What what do you guys have for uh,
1: Thursday night? Well, I'm hoping that we just stick with the traditional road unis because that's the sexiest uniform in sports, in my opinion. The <laughs> there you the, go. the white tops and, and the navy bottoms. Those are my favorite yep. uniforms of all time. Those are um, good. Yeah. And,
0: uh, you know, are you guys going with the all blacks on, on Thursday night? Uh I think I think we probably are. Yeah, the uh, the our Steelers 2.0 uniform that yeah. you you're referencing, I think I think yeah. we are going to wear the Steelers uniform yeah. uh Thursday night. I so, have such um,
1: such mixed feelings about that uniform cuz when bad. when it's you're bad. zoomed in and you and you're in close, it's like, "Oh, that's not bad." But when yeah. you're when you're looking at the, the 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 television view, um not a fan cuz you can't see the red trim on the numbers. When the when the oh, camera zoomed out,
0: exactly, it, you know? it's just there's not enough burgundy in there to kind of separate it, and it just it just. I think they could do better, and I I'm I'm expecting it to change or, or at least a little redesign here next season when they uh, you know start to tweak uh, some of the uniform combinations. Yeah,
1: uh, quick tangent. You know the yeah. you know Ding Dong the witch is dead. Uh, oh, you know absolutely. Dan Snyder gone out of there. Um, how much weight do you give the fact that you guys might not be the commanders next year?
0: Well, they just recently finally approved the commander's trademark uh, this past week. Uh, so, okay. yeah, they just approved it. So, at least from that standpoint, the ownership has said, hey, look, we'll we'll consider um, a name change, but it's not going to be anytime soon, right? Like, I think there's some legal... Um, um, you know, kind of requirements that they stay with the name for at least another season or two. So they'll look into it. Um, if they do change it, obviously it's not going back to uh, the old name. The, uh, the new ownership put that to bed and said, look, if we do change it, it's going to be something else. It's not going back to the old name. So I think we're stuck with commanders for maybe the next season or two, but um, there is at least a small chance. It does get changed uh, within the next handful of years.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cause I heard that rumor and I was like, you know, I there were always names on that list I liked a lot more than commanders. Oh, yeah.
0: I and, think everybody uh, liked any name a lot more than commanders. So um, yeah, I do think you know, hey, you pay six billion dollars for a team. Um, I think at some point you're going to want to name it yourself as opposed to having it named after you know from the last guy. So um, I think they uh, I think they'll change it, but yeah, I, I wouldn't expect it to happen anytime soon.
1: Yeah, especially when when everybody's joke nickname for you guys is the commies. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly like what what a great name that is yeah. right? like you, everyone else has got some great nicknames we're the commies yeah or the mandy's there you go how about the mandy's <laughs> I, I that might be a slightly better than the Commies. i, I might go with that <laughs>
1: but but yeah so but uh, yeah it's just like the last time we talked over the summer that it hadn't been finalized yet it was yep it was uh it was on its way but it wasn't a done deal uh, at that point and then it finally came through and, uh, you know, it finally happened and no more, no more Dan Snyder, a, a near 30 year reign of terror, uh, as the it, owner um, of the
0: franchise. <laughs> You know, I know, you know, and we've said this on our show a couple of times and some some people like it. But like, look, when when you've had Dan Snyder as your owner, you know, Chris Rock always used to make a joke. And he would say, you know, for some, um, the sky's the limit for others, the limits, the sky. And for us, the limit was the sky every time, because with Dan Snyder, you knew whatever success you had was going to be snatched away from you um, shortly. And it always was. There was always disaster, controversy, um, congressional investigation all happening right around the corner. And now that he's gone, like for us, this is our, you know, we got our Super Bowl this year. If we, if we win four games this year, like, all right, Dan Snyder's gone. Like we have a chance moving forward next year and the year after. So yeah. um, that was kind of a big deal getting him gone.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I kept seeing online, uh, especially on, on Twitter. It's like commanders uh, fans have hope again like yeah. this the, your your owner was killing your hope which is actually something that yeah. McCaskies have been really good at the
0: last uh, 30 <laughs> years or so um, um, like it, it, it's true. And, and we, we, we felt it every year. Like we knew, okay, could can we make super? No, we can't, we're not going to make a super bowl. Not with this team, not with this owner. We, we knew there was always, you know, another shoot a drop and there would be something and we'd fall apart. And, um, now that, uh, that's been removed. So we'll, we'll see how, uh, it goes moving forward.
1: Yeah. Cause you're back in a place where anything is
0: possible. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk about Sam
1: Howell and and how he's yeah. been, because uh, it was, you guys had to endure Carson Wentz uh, last year, and he had his moments, but I think that you guys were probably calling to let, at least see what we have in Sam Sam Howell for the longest time. He yes. comes out that last week against Dallas, beats the Cowboys, and looks good. Doing it, and even Ron Rivera was like, "Man, if I'd have known he was this good, I'd have been playing him a lot longer." Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I put him in there sooner, and gets two wins right off the board uh, to start the season, uh, and then and then has that disaster last week. How much of that was Sam Howell his inexperience, and then how much weight did Eric Bienemi have
0: to carry on for that? Uh, so for me, I, I think that was it was 50 50 Sam Howell and Eric the because those two are uh, joined at the hip. Right. You know, any success this team or offense will have this year, it'll be, be uh, you know, how well those two mesh together and work together. And I think. Eric the enemy went into the Bills game with a very basic vanilla game plan. There were no screens, there was no misdirection, there was no run game. He basically just called straight drop back passing, five, seven step drop with Sam Howell. And that might be okay if you have Patrick Mahomes, who is awesome, a veteran, and knows how to handle those situations. When you've got a guy in his fourth start against one of the best teams in the AFC, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. We literally had a running back who had, like, 10 carries, 80 yards, and we didn't give him any more touches in the second half. Like, we just... Um, put Sam out there. Now, Sam, uh, you know he had his own issues. He was holding the ball too long. So, uh, when you have a young QB holding the ball too long, you've got an offensive coordinator calling five, seven-step drops. You got an offensive line that's not that great. It was disaster all the way around, and you saw it unfold to sacks, multiple sacks, a whole lot of sacks, interceptions, and it just everything kind of compiled. Onto itself and just was um, You know an absolute beat down by the Bills so really those two Kind of share the blame pile Because uh, I think if if The enemy would have put together a better Plan or tried to help his quarterback a Little bit more in that game I think the Outcome probably still bills win but It wouldn't be so ugly of a game And we saw much better uh, performance By those two against the Eagles um, At least in terms of a Similar opponent uh, ability Level so um, yeah it that game was a rough one, but uh, Eric, the enemy somehow definitely um, kind of were the main drivers of that game.
1: Yeah. Cause it was the kind of loss that has you questioning what kind of team you actually have because exactly. the first exactly. one, you know, the, it was, it was actually real quick. Let's talk about week one. Cause I oh. was like, okay, the Cardinals are supposed to be the tankathon team of the season. And they took a lead into the fourth quarter. I was like, what the hell's going on here? I was like, what's, You know, it's like these guys are supposed to just be this team that is putting a team on the field because they're legally obligated to. They're looking at 2024, and yet they come out not only against you guys, but everybody they played, including beating the Cowboys last weekend. It's like, okay, so they doing this thing or not?
0: Yeah, and I I think, you know, and I said this, um, you know, to a couple of um, our co-hosts where was that the the Cardinals heard all week right before that opening game that they were tanking um, and their front office might be tanking, but the players aren't because they came out, they were aggressive, they were hitting Sam like out of bounds, they were hitting them late. Um, Like I think like four of their players got like fines uh, off of that first game, but they were aggressive. Um, Jonathan Gannon had the team defensively prepared for what we were doing offensively um, they they came to play you can definitely see that you know they, there's a talent deficiency they don't have that many guys but their scheme is very sound they were prepared and they came out to play and uh, you know we we gr- we grinded out the win um, at the end of the game. Came back and um, I think it was pretty comfortable at the end. By the time we uh, we pulled it out, but uh, they're, they're a much better team than their record suggests. They should have beat the Giants. They they were like twenty eight seven on the Giants. Very similar, yeah. I think, to uh, to yours. The Giants had to kick a field goal with like nineteen seconds left to win that game. Uh, and Then you saw what they did to the uh, to the Cowboys. So they're a competitive team. I don't think they'll get many wins, but they're not they're not the worst team in the league.
1: Yeah, and then yesterday they got smacked around by the 49ers, but who hasn't?
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Everyone's going gonna to take that L against them.
1: Yeah, but it was just like, okay. And then week two, you're out in Denver playing the team that we just got uh, got done losing to, and you're down 21-3 to three, uh, yeah. in the first half. I mean, Denver, uh, who could not get it together against the, the, the Raiders the week before, they come out and bang, 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 21 points on the board and here I am for the second week in a row I picked the commanders to win and I'm watching them piss it away I'm like what is going on with Washington it's like right. they they finally came back and saved me by by you know coming back in the fourth quarter to beat Arizona but then it's like 21 to 3 Jesus Christ what is going on and then it was like 21 to 10 21 17 20 I was like okay here we go and then I didn't, it's like, I was like, oh, they won. Fantastic. That's awesome. I didn't see that coming. And then I go back and saw the game actually ended. I was like, wow, you guys went through it there at the end of the, uh, at the end of the game with the Hail Mary and the, the, the quote unquote pass interference in the end zone on the two pointer, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Denver's still talking about that, by the way. They, they really wanted that win. And, uh, but it's like, I mean, what, what did, you, did your heart absolutely sink into your
0: feet when they actually caught that Hail Mary at the end of the game? Oh, I I was so upset uh about that Hail Mary because it's it you just got to knock it down that's yeah. it just knock the football down on top of the fact I don't know what our um, our two safeties were doing they allowed the Broncos receivers to get behind them so that if the ball is tipped up now it's just going to fall right into a Broncos players hands so I, I don't understand their positioning on that but something that um, you know that uh, you know no one else will notice is that Sean Payton when he was the head coach of uh, the Saints in 2021 um, he had Jameis Winston as a starter the Saints came up to play the Commanders that year. <laughs> And Jameis completed a hail mary against us in the first half, and you know right as time expired. So I don't know if Sean Payton just understands hail marys, or maybe it's just against our defense. But he's completed two uh, hail marys against us uh, within a couple of years. So he, he sees something in this Jack Del Rio defense that uh, um, that he likes uh, when it comes to hail mary. And it was it was it was very frustrating because we had done a lot of work to come back, and then to give that play up was just kind of uh, it was a little deflating.
1: Yeah. So and like i said a moment ago the when you 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 have the you're you're a surprise 2 and 0 team you have these two scrappy wins you had to come from behind to to win them uh both you go you go you're at home you're playing against buffalo and uh you know then what happens happens uh against buffalo and like the result cuz i was looking at sam Howell's stat line for that one and it just got uglier the further i went from left to right oh yeah you know it's like it was first bad. you have the you know the 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 attempts, uh, the the attempts and the, and the and the receptions. Then you have the yards. Like, oh, that's rough. Zero TDs, four picks. Ooh, and then right over to the to the right of that, nine sacks. It's like, oh my god, just yeah. just. I mean, what that had to look like. I mean, I mean, it was like kind of like the opposite of uh, last year, where was did that? No, no, you sacked the Titans last time nine times, right? That was that game against Tennessee last year. Didn't you sack uh, Tannehill like nine times?
0: Yeah, it, it was it was a lot, and you you would have thought like, hey, with uh, with getting him sacked that many times, like we should have been <laughs> ahead of them by a lot, but yeah. we weren't. Carson drives down and then throws the uh, the game sealing interception, and uh, you know we we lose another one the, the last year. But um, you know, Sam, you know, I think his timing is. You know, a little bit off. It's getting better. Um, it was certainly better this past uh, Sunday, um, but when you you have a young quarterback who needs to see it a little bit longer, and you got an offensive line that isn't the best, and you're calling just straight traditional dropback, you're going to have some issues. So, um, you know, I expect the sacks to continue um you know hopefully they can keep it under control though right we can't have nine sacks um like that again right, right. if you have 3 to 4 okay that's just going to happen um but they they've really got to be more balanced on offense and, I, and that's been our problem like where we've struggled is where we just go all pass and that's how we fell behind uh in Denver that's how we kind of fell behind in um um, you know, against Arizona. And that's, that's definitely, you know, that led to disaster against the bills. And when we've come back and when we've scored points, we've been balanced and we've had less sacks. So we, we really got to, um, you know, be mindful of, um, being balanced, calling that quick game, uh, to kind of help Sam out.
1: Yeah. Cause when you have a nine sack game, it's like, usually the stat that that's, that's not it, that is the thing, but isn't at the same time is quarterback hits. It was like, yeah, they sacked him nine times, but they also hit him about a dozen or so times more than that uh as well. So he would literally spend half the game picking himself up off the ground. Was it a game like that, or were the nine sacks when they were finally able to get home?
0: Yeah. And and, and that's and that's the, the thing is some of it is, you know, Sam just got immediate pressure, right? Especially off the edge. Um you know, with our tackles, they they don't handle speed rushers very well. So, some of those were just, boom, he, he got sacked right away. And then others, hey, the protection was there. Sam's got to get rid of the football. So, um, a lot of them, you know, probably were on Sam. Some of them were on the offensive line, I think, this week. Um yeah in particular against the Eagles, they were more offensive line, whereas against the Bills, they were on Sam. Sam had to get rid of the football. Um, you know that you're getting a heavy rush in that condition. Just get it to your check down. Live to fight another day. Right. Um, and I think he learned his lesson a little bit because uh, you saw a much more decisive player yesterday. And, um, you know, the the sacks were more so, hey, the Eagles defensive line just beat us. Uh, yeah. There was no, no two ways about it.
1: Yeah, they are... Uh... They are studs, and I'm glad they're not on our schedule uh, this year because, um, yeah, 5 they got you guys five times uh, yesterday, which is kind of like one of the hidden stats when you look at how he actually performed. 29-41, 290, and a touchdown, uh, you know, yesterday. Quite the bounce back from the performance against Buffalo, which is, you know, what I keep alluding to by saying you know the loss against Buffalo kind of has you questioning what kind of team you had, and then they come out the week after against what many would would classify as a better team uh than Buffalo, yeah. one of the few and you know seventeen to seven early lead in the, in the in the first half, and you literally fight them right down to the end and need extra time to get you to go away. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think that just kind of shows you the ability that Sam Howell has. Um, I know there's still there's still a lot within our fan base, and you know certainly across uh, the NFL that uh, are doubtful of uh, Sam Howell. Like he, he's grown a lot since that Dallas start at the end of last season, and even through these first handful of games, um, you, you, you've seen some of the lows, right? Uh, you saw it all in Buffalo, right? Um, But we saw some of the highs there with Denver. We saw some of the highs yesterday and that he's getting it. He's getting better. Um, He's finding that timing, that rhythm. And look, when he when he has time, he can deliver the football and he can make some really, really good throws. We've seen there were a couple in Denver, there was a couple yesterday where you're just like, Man, that's that's a really good throw. Um and he has it. We just we have gotta find a way to keep him upright. And whether that's by Sam realizing, hey man, just just hit the check down here or just throw an incompletion because we, we can't have you taking the hits or, you know, You know, this is something that'll probably have to be addressed in the offseason is the offensive line which I, I I wanted them to address last off season, but they they thought they could get away with it this year um so I, I think that's that's kind of where you know we're at is that sam certainly has the talent and he's certainly showing it but we we've just got to you know these are these are growing pains of a young quarterback and uh i know our fan base is restless, right we've had 30 years of ineptitude so right. i know they, they they want they want a hall of famer right now and, right. Uh, you know unfortunately we're not we're not quite there yet so
1: well let's talk about this offensive line uh Real quick, um, you have a former bear up there. In fact, for a minute there, I thought
0: you had a couple. Um we do. We yeah. got we got Cornelius Lucas there and we he got is. Charles Leno. Um, okay. still still hanging out here with us. So they're they're still here. Leno is uh, you know and I think an average at best player. Okay. Um, you know I think most games he'll do okay. He struggles with speed rushers. There's just no way around it. He cannot handle that speed coming off the edge. Power rushers he does okay with. He can he can he can kind of equal that out. But guys with speed will give him problems every time. Cornelius is our Wing tackle, so he's the first backup off the off the bench. If um, him or Andrew Wiley, our uh, free agent signing from the Chiefs at right tackle, is struggling, and Wiley has struggled greatly this year, He's given up multiple sacks, multiple pressures. Um, I mean, if if I'm the Bears defensive coordinator, I'm I'm putting whoever your best edge rusher is over top of him and sending him every time.
1: Well, that's uh, an unfortunate thing for us. We don't have one
0: right now. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I think our... I think you and I talked last time. I was like, man, you guys should have traded for Duron Payne. You guys should have traded for him and uh, given us some draft picks because um, he's having himself a great year and he could have, he certainly could have helped you guys. Oh, for sure, for sure.
1: And uh, I don't, I don't regret taking Darnell Wright because he's been solid, uh, really good actually for us at uh, right tackle. But we passed on Jalen Carter in order to make that happen. And oh, you know, yeah. Jalen Carter's been a beast. Uh, For the he was good yesterday too. Yeah, yeah. and but it's like everyone kind of fails to remember. It's like yeah, there were eight other teams that passed on Jalen Carter before we did uh, at number nine. So it's kind of one of those things. Like how did the Bears pass on this guy? It's like well, how did eight other teams do it too? So just I don't you know, not trying to pass the buck here, but it's like everyone's looking like the Bears screwed up. It's like yeah, maybe. Um, but as far as the like the makeup of our teams, it's the truth of the matter is the Eagles were far better equipped to handle Jalen Carter and his off the field stuff than we were. Right? You know, they they're a a good mixture of veteran and young. You know they they've got the 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 Fletcher Coxes and the Travis Kelseys uh, on that team. We don't have those guys on the team. We're working our way up to that yep. right now. So we didn't have somebody that's going to be able to snap him back into. Shape When he steps out of line, somebody that he would respect and listen to, we don't have those guys on our team right now. So, you know, we weren't, we honestly, we're not equipped to handle Jalen Carter. If it goes off the rails, uh, with his off the field stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point. Yeah, having that veteran leadership, especially with some of these young guys who may need a little bit more direction, or just somebody you know, firm who's tough and, and can get in their face and say, "Hey, this is the right thing to do. That's the wrong thing to do." Yeah, uh, and uh, you, you're exactly right. There's only a handful of teams who have that type of uh, leadership uh, who can do that.
1: Yeah, and and not to mention the fact that Howie Roseman is drafted like six Bulldogs in the last three years. he got a bunch of his homies on the team. So, you know, he's not right walking yet. into a room full of strangers. He's got a bunch of friends already That's on true. the team, guys that he just played with uh, and at, uh, at Georgia as well. So, I mean, it was, it was the perfect situation for him, at, you know, and it would have been great to have him because we could certainly use him up front. But I think we got the right guy in the right situation for us I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl tackle at some That's point. Awesome. But it, it sucks to, you know, because he's a right tackle. So you don't really yeah. notice those guys are out there until they're screwing up. Like Charles exactly. Leno not being able to hold the edge uh, yeah. against speed rushers and things like that. You don't hear Charles Leno's name until, you know, Von Miller goes blowing past him uh, on the edge uh, and things like that. So, and, and Charles mm. Leno, he's an interesting case, man, because obviously he was with the Bears for seven years. And for six of those seven years, I could not figure out what Ryan Pace's obsession was with this guy. You know, I could not <laughs> right. figure – he had a great year in 2018, but that's when we went 12-4. and four. Everybody had a solid year. Our offensive line was really, really good in 2018, and right. he got an extension off of us for that. Okay, fine. He had a great year. He deserved to get paid. But then 2019 and 2020, those two years that went off, it's like that's the guy that I know. That's the guy where I'm like, Why? Why do we keep putting him out there? Why is come on, man, and <laughs> you know then he guys goes out there, and of course, when he's having to settle for veteran minimums, he balls out for you guys, so you give so you give him an extension now, yep. and there's like and then he goes back to like, oh yeah, that guy's faster than me i, I can't get him sorry,
0: yeah, uh, I mean, for a seventh round pick he's he's had a really good career absolutely for a round yeah one hundred percent, but uh he he's one of those guys he's he's an average at best player most days he is average to slightly below average and if he gets anybody with a little bit of talent across from him he's going to struggle and we've seen that here you know and, and and hey the one thing i'll give him credit for is he plays every game. Every game, yeah. And, you know, the rest of our offensive line the last couple of years, I can't say that because they've all lost time. I mean, the past two years we've been down to our fourth center by the end of the year. So the fact that he's out there all 17 games, that's, you know, average play, sure. But it's been been helpful that he's been out there because we just haven't had any bodies to be able to play offensive line these last couple of years.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the one thing that I could give him – credit for was that he didn't miss a game in his i don't think in his i don't know if he was a starter from day one but he was at least for the last six of those seven years he was the starter and each and every week he was in the lineup it was like so you know as john fox likes to say the best type of ability is availability
0: that's it and
1: he was always available god bless him but uh
0: you weren't always happy about it you know <laughs> yeah very true it is it's the same here in washington for washington fans it's a certainly a love hate relationship with uh with charles Lund- well with with all of our offensive line cuz mm-hmm. we've got a bunch of new starters and they're all having various levels of issues some are playing well some aren't you know you know uh, like you know andrew wiley like he's struggling a lot and he was our big um, free agent signing on the offensive line mm hmm so let's
1: talk about Brian Robinson a little bit, because he was a an on-and-off problem for the Bears last year, and it was one of his first games, if not the first game he played last season, was that Thursday night yeah, game. that was the first one back. Yeah, scored the game-winning touchdown after uh, after that, uh, that, un, that that hidden sniper <laughs> got <laughs> Valus Jones to trip and fall and let the, the ball go bouncing off his face. <laughs> yes. He has to recover at the five and two plays later in the end zone. Yeah. Um, But he, statistically, not sexy yesterday, 14 carries, 45 yards. But that touchdown run he had yesterday, where he fought off literally the entire Philly defense to score from a yard out uh, yesterday. Uh, It was like, okay, so this is the guy that we're dealing with uh, on Thursday. And he's uh, still got all that fight left in him.
0: Yeah, uh, Brian Robinson, obviously, last year after getting shot, he came back, and he, he wasn't the same player that we saw in training camp and in preseason. A little bit of the explosiveness was gone, and, you know, that was just obviously going to take time to kind of rehab and recover from uh, that. And we've seen so far this year, they haven't utilized him uh, as much as I would like because the is a little pass-happy and has gone more pass, which has gotten us into trouble. But when Brian Robinson, we've seen, uh, you know, last year where it may have been a three to four yard gain. This year, that's now a five to seven yard gain or a ten to twelve yard gain because he, he had a sixteen yard touchdown run yesterday uh, later on. Yeah, and these were these were runs that he wasn't getting just because either his vision wasn't there last year or just he didn't he didn't have the physical ability to do it right. His just body wasn't right, and he's finally fully healthy now. So we're seeing that kind of evolution from him uh, this year, and he's also been catching the football a little bit as well too. Um, that's something that's kind of added to his game. Now, he, he won't be the primary back to catch passes, but he, he has shown that he's uh, he's got some reliable hands in that regard. He's still got to work on his pass blocking. I think all of our running backs uh, need to, but he's a battering ram. If he gets ahead of steam, like it's going to take more than one guy to bring him down. And, you know, Philly obviously has, I, th- I think they were the the best run defense. So, you know, there wasn't going to be a whole lot of yards involved yesterday on the ground because of that. But, uh, he, he, he certainly makes the most of it. And he had a good game against Philly last year when we, uh, we, um, upset him, uh, during the regular season. So, uh, it seems like he likes to play against them.
1: Yeah. You know, that's what I was saying all, all week. Cause I do an NFL show, uh, as well. and. Uh I, I I feature six games that I talk about primarily and then the rest I kind of just kind of I call it the all out blitz where I do like the other ten yep. games inside of like three minutes or whatever it was. And but this was one of the games that I featured on my preview and I was like uh last week the six games that I picked, because I do a pick 'em game with my listeners, they were the my lowest six confidence points uh going into this week. Now I, I still picked philly to win but i only put six on the eagles because the, like the washington is is scrappy and for whatever reason they yeah. show up against the eagles i yeah, don't know if do. it's that division rival thing or whatever it was but they were the ones that went into philly on monday night last year beat the eagles in front of the whole world when they were eight no and undefeated and untouchable last yep. season it was the commanders that went in there and smacked them around and 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 won that game, so I wouldn't be surprised at all. This is why I'm I'm going you know, so low on Philly winning this game even after they've dominated everybody else up to this point. Something about when they play the commanders, it all just kind of goes sideways for them. I don't know if it's that division familiarity or whatever it is, but the commanders always seem to have Philly's number even though they can't quite seem to close the deal at times
0: yeah it, uh, it it absolutely is the division rivalry especially now lately where everything philly does is the best right the all the national coverage they do everything right they can't do anything wrong um, so there is a lot a, a lot of um emotion there for the uh for the team to get excited for and get hyped up for and then you throw in hey they did beat them last year so that just kind of adds a little bit more fuel to the fire to where especially uh, our players think hey, we, we've got a shot, right? We don't have to lay down and let the, uh, the Eagles just blow us out. So um, absolutely, they get up with that game.
1: And then last, before we, before we wrap things up here, uh, Chase Young, how's he, how's he doing? I saw he got a sack yesterday, but that's one play. How, is, how has he been since uh, finally coming off the uh, Angela? Because that knee had him held up for quite a while.
0: Yeah, the the knee took him out for like a season and a half. I mean, he was, he was out for a uh, a long time. Uh um- he's looked explosive he's looked uh fully healthy there does not seem to be any issues with the knee whether you know physically or mentally with him like i think he's the injury portion is behind him it's now like you know because he's missed so time uh he hasn't been able to refine his game right like adding multiple pass rushing moves being able to string together different moves um have a rush plan have a plan of attack for defeating offensive tackles so that's where he really needs to work on you can see the the brute strength, like, there were multiple times, uh, I think Jordan Maliata, the left tackle for the Eagles, where Chase Young just bullied him back and then um, there was one play where he just bulldozed him back and he ran into uh, Jalen Hurts as he was throwing and Jalen Hurts ended up, like, you know, with an off-platform throw that uh, was incomplete. Like, you just saw the ability there. He's just got to refine it, and a lot of that's due to him just not playing and not being out on the field and not practicing, so, um, you know, I think as we get more into the season you're gonna to start to see more of him making impact plays it was nice he did get a sack yesterday A much-needed sack he put a couple of pressures on uh, Jalen hurts but I mean against the, that Eagles offensive line in my opinion is probably the best in football so you, you probably weren't going to see a whole lot of pressure on Jalen hurts uh, regardless of how you know good our defensive line may or may not be um, they, they just they were awesome yesterday and protected him but uh, chase chase is coming along. Um, uh, would I like to? Would I like him to be further along in his development? Absolutely. Like I want him to be a Bosa, Khalil Back, who had six sacks yesterday was in right. ridiculous. Um, would I like him to be there? Yeah. Uh, is he? Is he trending that way? I hope so. It looks like he is trending that way. He's had a sack in each of these games uh, coming back, and he's um, you know he's looking better and better each week. So he's still got a long ways to uh, to go to to kind of be one of those top defensive ends. But uh, he certainly has the ability, and it looks like he's on that path.
1: Is he going to get his bag from you guys? Can you even afford to give him one at this point with
0: with the other twenty million dollar guys you have
1: on that defensive line?
0: I know, like I, and this was one of the things I was mentioning to you, is I, I can't believe we paid two defensive tackles big money. And um, and we've got him and, and Montez Sweat, both of them in, in their final years and want to get paid. And Montez Sweat has also played well this year too. So I don't know if we can pay both of these guys. I think we can only pay one. We've got a safety, Cam Curl, who uh, needs to get paid as well too. So I don't know if we can do it. I don't know if new ownership wants to do it. They may right. say, you know what? We've got too much money invested in uh, the defensive line. We need we need linebackers, which is a uh, weak spot for us. We got no linebackers. Um, you know it, they they might want something else. So um, I I hope he continues to the point to where yeah we got to pay him. We got to pay him a bunch of money because that would mean that he's he's played really well. But uh, we'll see. It uh, it's very much ownership, new ownership has taken a wait and see approach with him.
1: Yeah, because going into the going into the season, and I especially remember I was talking about it a lot. Uh, previewing the first week of the year, going into that game against the Cardinals is like, well, the commander should come away with this one. I mean, if the the, the everyone's you know on the opinion that the, the Cardinals are tanking uh, this year, so this you know get them on the sold out FedEx Field, they should be able to you know get a win in front of that crowd. And it's like, and also as a little added bonus, with new ownership, everybody, and I mean everybody's playing for their job this year. So it's like who's going to show up and make a case for I'm wanna be a part of the future of this organization and who's going to be playing their way out of town because you know how it is. They talk about it all the time. I mean, hell, they're even talking about it now with uh with General Man with Ryan Poles and Justin Fields. Ryan Poles didn't draft Justin Fields, so there's no real deep allegiance there. And granted he's put resources behind Justin to try to help him succeed as much as humanly possible, but with the way the team is playing and the fact that at this moment in time, we hold the number one and number two pick in the draft (laughs) next year. It is very highly likely that if Justin Fields doesn't keep performing like he did yesterday, he's on another football team and we've got Caleb Williams or Drake may as our quarterback uh, next season you know, there's not going to be a lot of loyalty for any of the commanders guys with this new ownership from the GM all the way down if you guys underperform.
0: No, you're exactly right. Whether it's uh, your situation there in Chicago or if it's ours here, like everybody is being evaluated. Everybody can uh, be released or fired at the end of the season. Um, Ron Rivera knows it. He is absolutely in an evaluation period. I think a lot of the – you know, the moves and things like that, whether it's signings or re-signings, like, you know, the new ownership has said, look, this is a team you built. Let's see you do something with it. You know, we'll talk about afterwards, you know, um, any additional moves. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of people here uh, needing this thing to work. I mean, Eric, the enemy, you think about a guy who is in an evaluation period. He took uh, this knowing, like this is a short-term assignment, knowing that new ownership was changing or a new owner was coming in. Ron sure. Rivera was going to be evaluated, uh, possibly lame duck year. And hey, you've got fifth-round pick Sam Howell. Like he's he's betting hard on this season that it works because uh, I've actually seen some Bears fans on uh, on Twitter uh, who want Eric Bieniemy as the uh, the next uh, uh, you know H uh, head coach or OC. Um, so this is uh everybody's up for grabs here. Well, I, I know that it's a short
1: um, sample size, but he went to Washington to, to prove something, not only to himself, oh, but absolutely. to everybody in the entire world, that this isn't all just Pat Mahomes mm-hmm. and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, you know, holding the puppet strings or whatever. I've actually been doing this out there in Kansas city. And I'm going to yeah. prove that by going somewhere else and doing it again. And, he is doing it. Now granted you guys have McLaurin and you have a Brian Robinson, Sam Hill was or Sam Howell was kind of waiting in the weeds out there, but if he doesn't get a head coaching job next year, I don't know what the hell's going on uh, in the yeah, NFL exactly. honestly, cuz he has like I said only 4 games in, but he also he just went out into into Philly and smacked the NFC champs in the mouth. He, you know, uh, scored 35 points against the Broncos' a couple of weeks, not that that was the greatest accomplishment with, when Miami put 70 on him the week <laughs> right. after. Yeah. But, you know, he's got this offense playing well. He's got this fifth-round draft choice playing, like, how did he make it into day three, you know, kind of thing uh, exactly. for the draft and everything. It's like he's, he's going to get a job, and if Iberflus isn't going to be the guy and God forbid we hang on to Justin Fields again, we need an offensive guy to come in and help him. As opposed to having a defensive head coach, and the most important hire he makes is his offensive uh, coordinator. We we uh, you know, I I, I really like Matt Eberflus and the mentality he brought in with him. He's three and eighteen uh, as head coach. He's lost fourteen straight games, and the guy wow. that he picked to be his OC is uh, is not getting the job done. So yeah. yeah, we need to 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 you know switch things up. So I mean, honestly. I think if we lose to you guys, there might be. Maybe. It's like Traditionally, the McCaskies don't do this. But with, with our new president, Kevin Warren, who used to run the Big Ten before he right. came in and took over, I, I actually wonder how much power he actually has because I think if we start 0-5, which will be 19 straight losses in the regular season for the Bears, Iberflus might be gone. And the only problem with him being gone is that I have no idea who's going to take over as head coach. Yeah. No yeah, clue. Absolutely. There's nobody on our staff that has prior experience or, or anything like that. No idea who it is. And, you know, that would be the only problem with Iberflus getting tanked. But 19 straight losses, 0-5 and, and all that kind of stuff, it's just, it's a possibility, especially with a 10-day break after Thursday's game to our, uh, our next one. So, uh, Or at least we need to make some wholesale changes uh, to, to get things fixed or, or whatever. Take the playbook out of Getsy's hands and put it on somebody else's in the staff. Uh, kind of thing so I I just um, I wonder about the true impact of what's going to happen on Thursday how the Bears perform will be huge win or loss for for Eberflus if we come out and have another Kansas City Chiefs dude if we even play the way that we did against you guys last year there's going to be huge problems for it's going to be Black Friday for Eberflus if, if we go out there and play the way we did against you guys last year
0: well, it's is equally as a big game for us, right? Sure. We're, we're coming off a uh, two-game losing skid here, and look, uh, Ron has bet all on uh, Sam Howell and um, Eric Bieniemy, so he needs them to uh, to work out. They need to it to work out for themselves, but right, like if if we lose to you guys, and right, if if we are your get right game, and all of a sudden Justin Fields, you know, five touchdowns passing, you guys have big run game, and blow us out of the water. Um, there's going to be panic time here in D C and that's going to lead to some changes, right? There were already, you know, fans complaining, griping. Oh, after the Buffalo game, Oh, it's time for Jacoby Brissett, right. To, uh, to come in. Obviously that kind of got silenced yesterday. Right, right. And I think the coaching staff does believe in him, right. They, they, they could have easily just made Jacoby the starter. You know, there was no reason to, uh, um, you know, if they didn't if they didn't believe in Sam Howell. So I think they do believe in Sam Howell. But you know that could all change if Sam Howell has another four interception game, you know, eight sack game type thing. Uh, and if that happens Thursday night, that uh, that certainly could uh, could uh, throw a wrench into all their plans. So uh, I think it's it's equally uh, as important for both teams, and uh, a lot on the line, a lot of people's jobs on the line too.
1: Well, let me put your mind at ease. Uh, four games in, uh, unless I'm missing one, we had, oh no, we had two last week against the chiefs, aside from those two interceptions against Blaine Gabbert, uh, of the chiefs, we have zero interceptions and we have two sacks on the season thus far. So four picks and eight sacks. You can go ahead and forget about that right now. Okay.
0: Well, 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 don't don't worry. Sam Howell hands out sacks like they're Halloween candy. So don't don't don't, don't, don't worry. He's going to be giving out sacks. And, and to to Sam's credit, I joke around, but he he does take some sacks. Um, but he can take a hit. Like uh, we we've seen him get hit a ton already, and he just bounces right back up. Not that um, he needs to continue taking those hits; um, they'll add up at some point. But um, there are other guys out there. I thought I think Anthony Richardson got uh, knocked out for a week for a concussion. Who are like twice Sam house size? Like he, he can take a hit, but I mean he, he he will give you a couple of sacks. So don't worry, you guys will have some sacks.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me.
0: Was he the quarterback from from North Carolina? Who? Sam Howell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he came from North Carolina. Drake May, who's uh, the star there now, is, will probably be the second guy behind uh, Caleb Williams. Drafted is there now at North Carolina.
1: Yeah, because I was like, I I knew, um, you know, it was like him and Desmond Ritter were like those day two, day three, uh, <laughs> quarterbacks that are now starting uh, this season, and I was, I, it's like I know Sam Howell, I know where he's, and, and it's just like. It's North Carolina. Was he the guy that took over for Mitch, or was there somebody between him and Trubisky? Yeah,
0: no, there was a couple of years in between uh, uh, those guys. I think uh, maybe two you know, lesser-known QBs. But right, uh, when right. Mac Brown got there, the first quarterback he got was uh, Sam Howe. All right. So how do you think
1: this thing's going to roll out on Sunday? I mean, today it's, it's Monday morning you and I are talking, so the fresh Band-Aid being pulled off from yesterday's uh, losses, the team's – are practicing. Well, actually, they're more like doing three walkthroughs before they get ready for the game on Thursday. So not a lot of information about, uh, you know, our teams after yesterday. But how do you think this thing could go on Thursday?
0: Well, I think uh, I think there are going to be some points in this game. Unlike last year, where what was it, twelve seven or 12-7, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys uh, just got hot uh, on Sunday. We we had a, a little bit of a bounce back game, so I think there's going to be some points in this game. I think it'll be a little bit of a, a back and forth. And um, you know, last year I, I picked you guys uh, to uh, to beat us because we we were we had an awful stretch that we were yeah. coming into the game from. And while we're on a two game losing streak now, I, I do love. Like uh, you know, kind of encouraged by the performance that I saw Sunday, so uh, I, I think we come out on top, but a, a very close one. I think like twenty eight twenty five. So, so, oh God, bless points. you. Uh, three thank points, you. I think is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one.
1: Thank you for for thinking it could be that close. Um, <laughs> what, like I said, you guys are strong where we're weak. Um, we're weak in the trenches. Although, I hope. Like last year it was the debut of Brian Robinson for you guys. I'm hoping that for this week it's the debut of Tevin Jenkins.: Ooh, because he's good. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he went on IR in the preseason with a calf injury or a lower leg injury They would never tell us what it was. It was rumored that he, he actually injured both of his calves, which is not easy to do, uh, by the way. But oh wow. He, he was I guess he's big into in anime or whatever, because he showed uh, like an anime character in a healing chamber. That was the post on Twitter the other day.
0: <laughs> should, I well, think hopefully, it was, hopefully that worked for him.
1: Yeah, and uh, hopefully he'll uh, he's – because he comes off – he's done his four games. He's ready to come off IR, but will he play on Thursday? Like I, I probably more expect him to play the following week, week six, against the Vikings because of the quick turnaround, but it would be a pleasant surprise to see him out there uh, against you guys on, uh, on Thursday because we could definitely – use the help, but, um, yeah, especially with, I mean, he was on the team last year when you guys savagely beat Justin Fields near to death, uh, in, in that game. So
0: was he playing tackle last year or is he, no, he was still, he
1: was still a guard, uh, last year, but, um, yeah, it's just, it didn't stop the, uh, the onslaught. Um, when we, we had, he was the best of us last season and we were, our offensive line was a mess uh last year and he was in and out of the lineup because then the one unfortunate thing about Jenkins is that he can't stay healthy and you know he's in there you know and then he misses two games with this injury and then he comes in three games he's a savage and he's that guy that you want up front this is a guy who literally hates everyone in the other uniform kind of guy you know he's going to come around and you know you're going to see him pushing people past the whistle. Kind of thing. That's the kind of guy. He's that mean, nasty guy up front. Like for the 60 minutes between the stripes, he hates everyone not on his team, but he can't stay healthy.
0: Yeah, Can't well, that's a healthy. similar guy that uh, we have uh, with our left guard, Sadiq Charles. This is his first year as the full-time starter, but the last several years, I mean, he would get hurt in preseason, he'd be, get hurt in practice, or if he did start a game, he'd only last like two or three games before he get hurt yeah. uh, again. And um, But when he plays, he plays really well. The problem is it's just it was always such a limited uh, sample size because he'd get hurt so quickly. So we yeah. believe me, we, we, we've got some of the same issues uh, on our offensive line. So
1: I'm hoping that that helps, having Tevin Jenkins back, if we do, in fact, uh, get him back. But let's just say, worst-case scenario, he doesn't play. Uh, You guys are a lot stronger up front than we are on the offensive line, so I'd anticipate, you know, a lot of quick throws if we're smart, getting the ball out of Justin's hands, getting it downfield as quickly as humanly possible, trying to find some way that your upfield momentum can be used against you. Kind of thing. I don't know if Luke gets he's smart enough for all that, but uh, you know, I I anticipate more, not so much the final score, but the the way the game was played. As far as you know, you guys just beating us up up front and it sh- slowing everything down. Because I think twenty five points to what you guys are capable of on the defensive line is rather generous. So I appreciate that. Uh, I, I I am definitely picking the Commanders. The confidence level I'm not sure of yet. I got to pull the trigger quickly because. It's the Thursday game, so you don't have a lot of time to think about it. But uh, I definitely think the Commanders can uh, win this one. I'm not rooting for it because I don't want the what the possibility of what could be afterwards, which is right. wholesale changes from Iberflus to you know the whole nine uh, yards if we go zero and five. But
0: uh, well, what's happening know. with Clay? Is Claypool going to play?
1: I have no idea, man. I don't even. They saying that they expect him back in the facility today. On Monday, because okay. he wasn't even there
0: yesterday. Oh, wow. He stayed okay. home.
1: He didn't. He was a healthy scratch. And, you know, it was more of a play stupid games, win stupid prizes moment. Him saying, you know, do you think the Bears are using you properly? No.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, it, <laughs> well, you uh... can
1: stay home then, stupid. Go enjoy yeah. and watch the game. They told him, you stay home, it's on you. You know, you come, you know, You. we're not going to tell you you can't show up. Because the no. Bears are openly shopping him around now uh, okay so basically we're in the midst of a divorce it's just a matter of getting the terms you know what i'm saying but gotcha. uh so gotcha. i don't know i don't know if uh if he'll even be on the team let alone on the active roster or or whatever the situation is i don't know so yeah that's just one of the many things that's going on with the bears <laughs> right now like we still don't know what that whole thing with Allen williams was all about it's no 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 details on that
0: yeah so, no, absolutely. Yeah. Believe me, we we, we had our uh, athletic trainer raided by the DEA a couple of years ago. So <laughs> the absurdity of those types of things have uh, yeah, are not lost on me because uh, we've experienced them.
1: Wow. Yeah, you guys have a lot of like legal troubles over the years. You guys are looking <laughs> at the Allen Williams situation is like, nah, been there, done that. Whatever. Yeah,
0: it, it was pretty much like, oh. I know what that's like. And, you know, it's it's a little weird for us as the Commanders fans because usually that stuff happens to us. So now when we see it um, happen to another team, we're like, oh, so that's what it's like. Like, yeah. you know, we, we, we have no idea because it's usually all this uh, tabloid stuff is happening to us. Wow. Well,
1: Brian, as always, it's been a great time having you uh, on the show. Uh, we look forward to having you back on because I'm sure that uh, we'll somehow – managed to either finish in the same place because so, this year it was no this this year it was the same place thing last year it was because we yeah. played the nfc east so yeah i'm sure we'll figure out a way to find each other uh once again and have you back on as soon as we can
0: yeah three years in a row thursday night football it's coming why Don't not worry. man why not let's do <laughs> yeah, it exactly just you, put absolutely. it just put it in,
1: especially since we're doing two games a year on thursday we got the panthers week 10 so yeah just pencil the commanders in for you know like week twelve uh next season thursday night football
0: we'll 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 get together and have a blast i love it i love it let's uh let's do it and uh, i appreciate you having me on man it's been fun as always
1: As always, want to thank my guest, Mister Who, aka Brian, from the Commanders Declassified podcast. Uh, really enjoy uh, having him on and talking uh, football with him. Also, if you guys are checking the checking the Twitterverse, uh, check out my feed because I was actually on the Commanders Declassified podcast talking the uh, talking Bears and Commanders with not only with Brian but with his two compadres uh as well. Uh had a great time uh talking to them. That is on uh YouTube. I think you can also find that uh on iTunes or Spotify and all that kind of stuff where all your podcasts are uh available uh as well. So you get a double dose of me and a double dose of uh uh Brian who's uh quickly uh climbing the power rankings of, of uh favorite guests that I've had uh on the show. So check out uh Check out the Commander's Declassified podcast for a little bit more of me and this handsome mug of mine and this smooth, velvety voice that I give you each and every week. So you're welcome. All right, let's get things wrapped up. Keys to the game. Um, Number one, we got to find some kind of defensive identity because is there really anything that the Bears do well on defense? Because – we're not the best tacklers. Uh, our zone coverage has huge gaping holes in it. We can't get to the passer uh, when we don't blitz. No one really notices. That's how insignificant it is. We have to find something, you know, something that, that is going to be a coachable thing for the other side to, like, this is what we need to look out for with these guys uh, or anything like that because there isn't really anything that we do well on the defensive side. So we need to try to figure out what it is. You know, can it be the gang tackling? Can it be the fact that we are going for the ball like savages? Like somebody's got them wrapped up and the other guy's going for the ball kind of thing. We're just not seeing any of that. Like when, when, when Iberflus got hired and we knew he was a Rod Marinelli disciple and we're talking about loafs and the hit principle and things like that, we got excited because we love those lovey years of the defense. And, and well, there's the ball, and, you know, more than likely before the ball or before the whistle is blown, as many as 9 to 10 guys on the defensive side could be out there participating in the tackle. We're not seeing that with this defense. We're not seeing that swarm, everybody get to the ball type mentality. We're not seeing the turnover, because aside from Blaine, Blaine Gabbard's two interceptions in the second half of the Chiefs game, what turnovers have we caused so far? None. So, you know, we've got two sacks in four games. One of them was a coverage sack in week one, and, you know, the other one, we almost missed out on it because we still like to grab the people up high around their shoulders instead of just hitting them and bringing them to the ground. So we need to find some kind of defensive identity because there is no one. There isn't one. We're a joke on the defensive side. On the offensive side, easier said than done, but let's pick up where we left off offensively. You know, we did have well over 400 yards uh, of total offense uh, on Sunday. Our quarterback threw for 330 and four touchdowns uh, on Sunday. DJ Moore, 130 yards receiving. Cole Komet, 75 yards, two touchdowns. You know, Darna Mooney had four catches, but I think every one of them was for a first down uh, on Sunday. That's that's good stuff. The offensive line was blocking, make, creating a pocket, giving Justin Fields time. Hopefully, if we do get Tevin Jenkins back on Thursday, that trend can continue because our our the the middle the interior of our, our offensive line will be Solid for the first time this year. Based on Cody Whitehair was always better at center. Nate Davis played well last week. Tevin Jenkins, our best offensive lineman who hasn't played a game yet. So, yeah, I'm hoping that I'm right in that assumption that we'll be stronger up the middle with Tevin Jenkins back in the lineup. But we need to pick up where we left off. We uh, Hopefully we can show the same level of confidence because we we did both well last week. I mean, I would have liked to see us run the ball more, but twenty what twenty eight of thirty five, so eighty percent pass completion for Fields, hundred and three yards rushing. He was still averaging I think like six or seven yards a carry uh, in the game for for uh, for Herbert. Outstanding. Would like to see a little bit more Rosan Johnson, but you know, it's still early in the season. We'll get more out of him. So yeah, let's. Keep doing what we were doing, and see if we can't make that uh, make that work on Thursday night. And um, finally, we need the, the and talking to the whole team. We need you guys to step up, be the team that we believed you could be. Because if you don't, it could all be over on Friday. You know, you could be playing for an interim head coach who's basically auditioning for the other 31 teams because the likelihood of an interim head coach sticking to be the guy the following season would probably only come if we win 10 out of our last 12 games and make a run at the playoffs or something. And unless something significantly changes and our fortunes are completely reversed after getting rid of Iberflus, we're looking at Wholesale changes in 2024, which also could mean a new general manager, Justin Fields, could be gone and because we're drafting Caleb Williams because we did hang on to the first overall pick and all that kind of nonsense. So the time to step up is now. If you don't want the entire universe to change on Friday morning, I mean, this is the Bears we're talking about, so the likelihood, I would say, at best, is 50-50. Because the whole Kevin, Wa- Kevin Warren wild card is the thing that, that makes me think it, it's, it's more of a push bet than uh, 60-40 this way, 80-20 that way, or, or whatever. Like, if I woke up on Friday morning to find out that uh, Floos is out as head coach, I'd be shocked that the Bears actually did it, but I wouldn't wouldn't be shocked for why they did it. It would also mean that uh, it was Kevin Warren's call and that they did give him the autonomy to make that kind of decision. So, which I would also be a huge fan of because the McCaskies are terrible at what they do. You know it's bad when uh, when a fan base is um, praying for Virginia McCaskey to finally pass away, not because we don't like her or, or she's a bad representative or, or anything like that, and she's not necessarily a bad owner. She's beloved across the league and all that kind of stuff. She's Papa Bear's daughter, so it's her team. But um, her being gone means that that finally opens the window for the Bears to be bought by somebody who would really do something with the franchise rather than just. And and, and honestly, if the Bears were to sell, I would want them to sell to somebody that this wouldn't be all that they do because the Bears are the McCaskey's sole uh, source of income. This is what they do. And I think I would like it, like when there was a rumor that Jeff Bezos might be interested in buying uh, an NFL team and everyone's like, yeah, buy the Bears. Because Bezos would just, you know, turn it all over to Kevin Warren. You're the president and CEO. You go ahead and do it. I'll just be here to, uh, you know, watch the money roll in kind of thing. As opposed to this is the McCaskey's entire universe so there are McCaskey's all over the place as far as running the daily operations and all that kind of stuff, even though it's clear that there are better people suited for this. So, but if you don't want to walk into the possibility that Iberflus could be gone, that we're basically tanking the rest of this season to start it all over in 2024, the time to step up is now. To turn things around, it's t- it's tomorrow night. Got to get it done. So get it together or everything's going to change. Absolutely everything. So, guys, that will do it for the Week 5 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back tomorrow as we're kind of doing this a little out of order because of the Thursday night game. But come back tomorrow for the Week 5 preview of the fourth phase where we talk about this game and the others for the rest of the week. I'm not sure how many we got by weeks this week, so I don't know if it's 13 games or 14 uh, that we got. And also, I haven't checked yet to see how that affects the Yahoo uh, Pick'em game that we're all playing in to see whether or not they took away the highest point total. So it's one through 14, or if it's you know three through 16, or, or whatever uh, the case may be. We'll figure all that out and preview the rest of the Week 5 slate for the NFL. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.